So hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we have a very special guest joining us to talk about how EPC firms are adopting using new digital technologies and most importantly, those benefits that they can gain from utilizing these type of technologies. So with that, I'd like to welcome in Paul Donnelly, Industry Marketing Director for Aspen Tech. So Paul, welcome in, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks, Lee. Happy to be here with you. Excellent. Well, thanks for giving us a couple minutes to discuss this topic. Uh, really crucial one in the industry. So before we start, though, uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about Aspen Tech and, of course, your role with the company? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Aspen Tech's a software company. Uh, we've been around for almost 30 years. Uh, long history of leadership in process simulation for energy and chemicals. Uh, probably the best known, uh, most robust database of physical and chemical properties in the world that, um, you know, licensors use to design new processes and that EPCs use to figure out how to, you know, the, the design approach to the facilities that are going to leverage those processes. Uh, we've, we, that's where kind of where we started. And since then we've grown to become, you know, also leader in, in several areas within operations and maintenance, you know, advanced process control is a, is a good example. Um, recently added advanced uh, technologies for asset performance management, you know, to keep the, uh, the asset running and, and keep it up and working. Um, and most recently, we, we added a conceptual layout tool through an acquisition of a company called OptiPlant. So, you know, we're really focused on the front end of the project, you know, the, the feed process and, and integrating that and making it more easy for, you know, data to move smoothly from conceptual uh, into, into, into conceptual design and simulation into, into plant layout. And all, all the time kind of linked with the economics or the estimate uh, from the project. Because those two things are very uh, intricately linked, the, the engineering information and the, and the costing data. So that's really what we're up to is, is trying to help, you know, the engineering firms pull together a more integrated feed process and then help the owner operators run those plants, uh, you know, more effectively. Now, you're involved, of course, with the EP side, EPC uh, side, so you work with, of course, EPC firms. Um, unfortunately, the, the, a lot of the stuff I've been hearing, of course, is that it's shaping up to be another rough cycle for engineering firms. But but I'm curious, what are you seeing and hearing as you talk to your customers in this area? Yeah, uh, so you're, you're right there, Lee. You know, my job at Aspen Tech, I call it an inbound-outbound role where, you know, I'm kind of reflecting inside Aspen tech what's happening in the in the EPC industry so that we can better align to the, the industry's needs and then I reflect back out to the EPC industry you know what what Aspen tech you know what the, what our role is in trying to help them do their jobs better add more value to their customers and you know I, I, I agree with you you know there's been some you know some negative press around the state of the EPC industry there's been some high profile um, you know, uh, companies kind of maybe thinking that this is industry or at least, you know, lump sum uh, competitive bids are, are not where they want to be, which is certainly understandable. But I think overall, kind of the rumors of the demise of this industry have been somewhat exaggerated. Uh, I, I do feel like there's going to be some changes, you know, in the in the future. This kind of seems inevitable. But I mean, the the world, the industry, these they need these firms, right? These firms aren't going anywhere. They're kind of the bedrock of the process industries because, you know, these are the firms that design, build, and I think in more and more cases operate, you know, these these big complex facilities that deliver to society energy and basic materials that are critical to our our, our, our modern lives. So um, they're a critical part of the supply chain, you know, the EPC industry. I don't think they're going going anywhere. 
Um, I think another point is that, you know, the leadership of these firms now has been through multiple downturns in their careers, right? Whether it was 2008 or 2014 to 15. And, you know, they, these guys have a lot of wisdom now from having lived through those those downturns. And I think many would say that in the past downturns, they maybe cut too deeply, too fast to realign, you know, to the new revenue structures that they were seeing. And I think a lot of them feel like it hurt their ability to compete on the other side when things did recover. So I think what I've seen in this downturn, you know, through COVID and maybe the the, the dual shock of COVID and the oversupply leading into COVID from kind of the OPEC plus coalition there is that they're more, I don't know, strategic in how they're choosing to, to realign their costs and their revenues. So I've seen more focus on, um, you know, things like cutting bonuses or cutting dividends or, you know, maybe cutting loose contract employees. Certainly there have been some layoffs, but not on the scale that we've seen in the past. And I think it's it's with an eye towards the V-shaped recovery where they want to make sure they're positioned to, um, you know, to capitalize. And one of the things I've seen them doing uh, during this period as well, and maybe it's a little bit slower, is focusing on some internal stuff, on some, you know, internal processes uh, such as digitalization. I mean, um, it's a huge area of investment now. Um, and so I think a lot of them are taking advantage of maybe a little bit of a slowdown to to, to tighten up the way they operate. But, um, you know, we can't ignore the fact that the <clears throat> the dynamics of the industry are shifting. I think one of the bright spots, too, for the engineering firms is that owners, I think, are realizing that the current business model is simply unsustainable. I think they, they need and want a stable engineering industry you know, to design and build these plants and this new infrastructure. And I, I, I suspect maybe we're on the cusp of some changes where, you know, the, the owners may lead a little bit of a shift away from the current, I would say, kind of transactional, sometimes adversarial relationship with their contractors to one that's a little more cooperative, maybe some joint incentives, maybe some more risk sharing. So, you know, that type of a future wouldn't surprise me. Oh, excellent. And I'm glad you mentioned there about digitalization, because that's one of the things I, I do want to get into, uh, especially with the expertise that Aspen Tech can bring to the to the table here. So you're seeing this deeper dive in investments in digitalization, but what does that really mean for an EPC organization? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think a lot of the press coverage and even industry press coverage has been around digitalization on the owner-operator side, around you know digitalizing oil fields or or, or plants. Um, but the EPCs, you know, are going through a similar process, right? I think they're probably, I don't know, 18 months, two years behind where a lot of the owners are in terms of progress, and they have different objectives and different things they need to do to digitalize. But um, they're certainly driving towards it. Um, and, and, and what, you know, look, at I've talked to dozens of EPCs, big and small, uh, some with technology divisions, some without, all around the world. And, and I've, I've kind of seen some common themes in terms of what they're trying to do. And I think the first, you know, it seems like with the, they're starting with the end in mind. And the end in mind is kind of mobile accessible data available, you know, throughout the project lifecycle, available to different disciplines within the organization available maybe to some of their supply chain partners and uh, in order to do that you got to automate the flow of that information because it's, it's simply too too vast to be done manually and so 
a lot of firms that, that I've seen are starting the process by looking at their existing um, infrastructure, their landscape of software and technology. And usually what they're finding is it's kind of a bird's nest, right? There's, it's not unusual for even in the engineering department alone for there to be, you know, 200 unique pieces of software or technology and sometimes many more depending on the, the EPC and then the size and scale and scope of their operations. And, and, you know, some of it is from tier one providers like Aspen Tech or, or Hexion or others. Um, but some of it, a lot of it is smaller uh, niche providers. Some of it may have been stuff they grew or ho homegrown stuff they built or writ wrote themselves years ago or decades ago that may be uh, in use uh very limited capacity. Maybe one or two engineers are still using something, but but IT and, and and the engineering guys are still supporting this. And I think step one that they're going through is saying, look, we can't. <laughs> there's no way we're going to meet that end state of of automating the flow of this data with with this bird's nest of technology that simply can't be connected. So I think step one, a lot of them are going through is is just kind of hard decisions around what they're going to keep in their portfolio and what they're going to kind of sunset. Um, and, and that's usually a conversation between the head of engineering and the and the CIO or the or the head of IT. Um, that's step one. And, and I've seen, you know, agendas where they want to get that down to 10% of what they're using today. So if they have, you know, 200, maybe they want to be, you know, down to 20 or 30. And that's a huge task in undertaking. That take, it's going to take a long time. But that's that's critical uh, a critical path for for getting to done. And then. You know, the goal is once they've rationalized their portfolio of software and technology is to, is to do the work to connect what's left, right? And that might mean, you know, relying on people like Aspen Tech who are aggressively partnering with companies like Hexagon, you know, to provide interfaces to move that data. It might be writing some own, own code inside. It might be standardizing on a few, you know, core tier one providers uh, that are doing the work, like Aspen Tech is doing the work of integrating our own portfolio and making sure that acquisitions work well with the stuff we've we've uh, written ourselves um, you know we're also bringing to market what we're calling the AIOT hub which is really you know a set of capabilities that can access data from anywhere either on-premise or from the edge or uh, from third parties and kind of uh, help rationalize all that data make sense of it and then be able to move it around and service it in reports or dashboards or make it available to other third-party apps for further use um, and then, look, the, the whole goal is to get that, that data mobile, uh, moving around the organization, across disciplines, across functions, and then uh, ultimately, you know, hand it off to uh, to the next phase of the project, hopefully uh, in some type of capacity where they're continuing to work on the project, but have that data persist digitally into the next phase where it can be reused. And, and that's really key, key is reuse of the data, um, you know, throughout the project lifecycle, across the ecosystems, and Ultimately, you know, into O&M, right? Ultimately, we're working towards what the owners want, which is the digital handover, and being able to leverage that engineering in operations. To to to, to and, and a lot of the EPCs that, that are creating the data want to continue to work with the, the plant owner as the asset moves into the operations phase. Stay closer to the customer, add value, do troubleshooting, keep models up to date. There's a lot of value add that an engineering firm can can have during operations and maintenance that leverage the data they created. They know the data best because they're the ones that designed the plant. So um, anyway, long-winded answer, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. No, no, it's great. No, it's, it's pretty interesting to see how they're becoming more incorporated, especially with, with all the digital data that's out there on these type of projects. 
And, and so you, you talked a little bit about a, the, some of the driving forces of why EPC firms uh, are, are, are starting to incorporate new digital technologies or organizations. Are there additional ones that are out there? And I guess really one of the most important aspect, aspects, courses, what are the benefits for the EPC firm? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it always, mostly it's going to come down to profitability at the end of the day, right? That's the ultimate metric for these firms. And um, I think the, the Economist had a report out a couple of years ago where the average net margin for an EPC was 1.8%, so under under 2%. <laughs> you know, incredibly challenging financial environment to operate in. In an industry where, you know, EPCs don't own assets, right? Their assets are people. So they don't have a lot of financial assets, and yet they they have a lot of risk on these projects. These are often bespoke projects, so there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, they don't always know what they're going to get into on the engineering side. Uh, site factors come into play. Weather comes into play. Um, and so anything that the EPC can do better that will ultimately help more more of their revenue flow to the bottom line is certainly going to be a driver. Um, but competition is, is, is a driver too, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're servicing customers, and, and that customer wants, you know, quality designs. They want projects delivered, you know, on time and on budget, which we know rarely happens. But, you know, that's certainly the goal. And, and any time an EPC can do something, take an action, improve their processes that allow them to, you know, improve customer service, improve the product that they're delivering uh, to their customers uh, is is only going to help. And look, look I, 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 I know a fellow named Ed Merrow, who, who a lot of people know, he's the CEO of, of um, Independent Project Analysis. IPA. And according to Ed, who's just got, you know, so much research and data on how capital projects are executed and what works and what doesn't work, um, you know, it, according to him, it really comes down to feed, right? How, how much of a, how good of a job did we do during feed? Did we do a complete feed or was it rushed? Um, and so, so many of the problems that occur during construction where things get really expensive, you know, according to Ed can be traced back to, you know, the feed process. So, if you digit if, the, the way the reason I'm saying that is because if you digitalize those processes, um, you're going to get much more efficient in, in terms of your engineering. And and when you're more efficient, yeah, it means you can do your work, you know, more quickly and 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 uh, and move, move some of the, your 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 profit to the bottom line. But it also means, and maybe more importantly, it means you have the time, you know, to to, to spend on the engineering, understanding the engineering aspects of, of the project. You know, instead of having your engineers working on, you know, manual data entry and checking and rechecking documents and their work and, you know, dealing with change management, you know, what happens when something changes on the project, uh, that's very intensive. And it takes a lot of, of person hours to, to do that. And those are person hours of talented engineers that are not going into, you know, improving the design or understanding different optioneering approaches or, 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 or you know, better aligning the design approach to what the ultimately the customer wants in terms of you know operational efficiency or or capex on the front end. Um, so 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 bottom line, if if digitization means that the engineers can spend more time on the design, okay, they're going to demonstrate a, a more knowledge about the project, more likely to win a bid. Um, uh, but also, you know, they're they're going to end up with a happier customer, fewer problems during project delivery and execution, and uh, and better chance of, of of rework. So all that flows down to profitability and winning new work. But uh, at the end of the day, that's what kind of makes an EPC firm tick. And so I think that's what's driving you know the willingness to invest. 
Excellent. And so, yeah, it's, it's great to hear all the different type of benefits that can come from these technologies. And I guess that my next follow up then is, are you starting to see wide scale adoption of these digital technologies, especially for uh, or within EPC firms? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I don't I don't think I've spoken with anybody that's not investing in this area. Um, I, I will say it's certainly a broad continuum in terms of where people are in their in their initiatives in their uh, in their adoption of these technologies or these new processes new ways of thinking about you know organizing the project and the data um i have seen stops and starts you know i've seen firms that, that really start really aggressively and maybe have a great executive sponsorship and driver and and, and then maybe down the road there's personnel changes or um you know there's been some turmoil in the industry in the last 18 months with COVID and, it's, and there's been reorganizations and then there's sustainability that comes into play, you know, that, that, that is kind of forcing a, a, a relook at how EPCs are envisioning their services. Um, and all that can stop or slow down, you know, digitalization initiatives. But I think McKinsey, McKinsey did a report in June of last year, June 2020. I think they interviewed 400 EPC executives and two thirds were accelerating their investments in, in digitalization or digital transformation. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, state where, what's state of the art or state of the industry? I think, you know, most companies I've spoken with are probably somewhere in between the digitalization of their engineering data, you know, kind of moving from a document-centric viewer approach to more of a data-centric approach, somewhere between that and digitalization of processes. But, you know, there are dependencies, right? You can't, you can't automate the flow of data until you've rationalized your portfolio of software and technology. And that takes time because, you know, you, you, a lot of this is tied to projects, right? You don't stop using a piece of technology in, the, in midstream on a project. So uh, it's going to take a number of cycles, but I, I don't think there's any going back. I think, I think executives have proven that they're, that they're committed to this and, um, and, and it'll be a, it'll be a journey, but I think most are, are, are well along their way of at least having started. Excellent. No, it's good to hear. I, I, it's pretty incredible. Two thirds of those are accelerating their digital. So that's good. It's good news. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I guess the follow up to that is, uh, are these firms seeing a payoff or a turn on investments yet? Um, I mean, I could give you a couple examples from our customers. Um, okay. You know, we have a we have an EPC, for example, in South Korea, SKENC, that um, you know really starting. You know, they, they, you can't eat. You got to eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So where they started with was estimating, and they said, "Look, we're we're tired of uh, the engineering information being decoupled from the estimate. So we're going to, you know, um, they they adopted our estimating platform, which is integrated with the engineering data out of the box. So um, I think they were, I think I, I, they they wrote up a report, or they were able to complete an estimate in half the time um, using, you know." the digitalization of the engineering and the estimate and linking them, which is really exactly what I'm talking about. The, the, the small micro example of, of this idea of, of connecting uh, data across disciplines. And, um, you know, being able to, to do an estimate faster has tremendous benefit, right? Because you're more responsive to the customer. Uh, if there's more uh, time in the, in the cycle because you've compressed the cycle time, you're going to understand the project better. And when, when you submit your bid, that's going to come through that you have a better understanding of the project, both from an engineering and from a costing standpoint. Um, and then, you know, finally, a lot of times these estimates are done on the EPC's dime or dollar, right? So, um, 
you, you know, anything they can do to make that process more efficient is going to make them more profitable, which which is ultimately the bottom line. Um, you know, maybe another example is would be Worley. You know, Worley has this this uh, process they call speed feed, which you know they're trying to get to help the owner get to an FID, a final investment decision, faster. And so Worley has digitalized that that feed process where you know they use they use our simulation tools and then that information flows into our conceptual layout tool OptiPlant you know uh, and then OptiPlant is integrated with ACCE our, our costing solution our estimate tool so um, <laughs> you know you, you've removed kind of those barriers of, of, of manual reentry and, and rework and all that information is connected and and, and they've I think they I think they advertise that they've shaved 30% off the time uh, required to get to a final investment decision um, I'm trying to think of some others. We have a, a customer, Hargrove, you know, uh, a, an APC, I think, based in, uh, in in the central U.S. here, who is is leveraging digital twins. So this is about that digital handover or creating digital twins for use in operations and maintenance. And I think they're using those to help owners deploy APC, advanced process control, um, on some of their processes. So that, I, I like that because that's an example of an APC that's thinking out of the box. It's thinking about leveraging digital information in the form of a digital twin to drive incremental revenues, you know, out of operating budgets instead of just being solely dependent on capital capital budgets. Um, uh, you know, Burns and Mac, another one that comes to mind. Uh, you know, they use what we would call kind of a concurrent engineering process, where the different disciplines are working together in an integrated set of, of Aspen tools, and they were asked by a customer to um, change the design approach for a column, you know, to a, to a divided wall column, uh, you know, on very short notice. And I think it's something that they, they told, they told us it would have, you know, usually taken weeks and, and because they're working in kind of a concurrent engineering environment, they were able to do it in two days. And, you know, the customer loves that. It makes, makes Burns and Mac look like a hero. Um, but you can only do that when, when the information is in digital format and, and everybody can access it and there's a underlying consistent data, data model. So just a couple examples early. No, those are good examples. <laughs> uh, well, I, one of my next questions then, of course, is we got to talk about sustainability. Uh, as you know, I mean, many large energy and chemical companies, are, they've announced very aggressive targets for decarbonizing their operations. So one, I guess, is, is are these targets achievable? And if so, I'm kind of curious, I mean, what role does the EPC play uh, in all of this and helping uh, operators decarbonize their operations. Ah, that's interesting and so timely. Um, you know, I just as a side, I, I I did a survey of EPC websites within the last two months, and gosh, they're so aggressively repositioning themselves to solve some of these pressing challenges, right? Which makes sense because they want to be where the work is, and and, and certainly a lot of the projects are going to have much more sustainable components to them, if not completely sustainable type projects going forward. So, you know. Just an example of the EPCs. I think being very astute business people and, and and positioning themselves. But yeah, those those targets. My gosh, you know, I think a lot of them have announced carbon neutrality by 2050. A lot of them have interim goals, you know, around 2025, 2030. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 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 largely achievable. Um, but things like digitalization will be critical uh, to achieving this. I mean. 
it's funny. I mean, the, the metrics that used to matter were really all about dollars and cents in the past. You know, how much, how, how much money could we get out of this process and this plant and, and this feedstock? And uh, now the metrics are changing or, or adding new metrics, right? Certainly the economics still matter. But now we want to measure things like, you know, emissions and carbon footprints and CO2. And there's no, you know, there's no meter for a lot of these things, right? It's not like you can put a flow meter on it and understand it. So I think the simulation becomes even more important to under to be able to calculate well, how am I doing as my commitments as an owner that I've made. And then for that, they need they need good models. They need good simulation. They need to understand the underlying processes and how those processes change with different conditions or different site locations or different feedstocks. And all that requires engineering. All that requires, you know, building the models, maintaining the models, updating the models, which I think is is really going to be, you know, in the realm of the EPC, which is going to continue to do that. Um, and, and then, you know, overall, you know, in terms of this, this sustainability challenge, I look at, you know, what's going to make a difference. And to me, the biggest lever that we're going to have is design. I mean, whether it's designing the processes that are going to be used to, to make our basic materials or, or to convert, you know, uh, feedstocks into energy, um, either existing or future, that all comes down to design. And really, that's what an EPC does best. That's what their core competency is, is design. It's the biggest lever we have. And I think if, if, we, if we have a chance of meeting those targets, it's going to be uh, – the foundation is going to be – you know, EPCs and licensors that are designing processes that that use less input, less water, less less materials, uh, less toxic components that are more efficient, that, that uh, emit fewer um, pollutants. That's going to be the foundation for all of this. And so, yeah, I think the e- I don't think it gets done without the EPCs. I think the EPCs are at the heart of this. I think the owners are leader. You know, they're the stewards. They're leading. The, the charge in terms of setting these very aggressive targets. And of course, the, the, so many of the owners have such great innovation going on within their own organizations. But, but they're, you know, like, like the, today, they're going to need that infrastructure, the EPCs, to, to realize and scale, you know, these innovations to something that can really make an impact on society. So I think they're central, they're core. No, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to see how some of these dynamics are changing, especially like you mentioned it's not just so much about the economics, which of course are, are, are incredibly important, but also, okay, well now I need to worry about semi carbon emissions for a specific say processing unit or uh, plant as a whole. So it, it's very, it's very interesting times of how, how that dynamic shifting. So it's something that, that, that definitely fall into the future. Uh, one, one last question I have before I let you go. And again, I want to thank you for your time uh, today is can you talk a little bit more about Aspen Tech's upcoming Optimize conference? Um, the, the main reason why is because I've been there several past several years, and it's such a great venue to actually see these digital technologies in action and actually hear it from operators, EPC companies that are that are using these digital technologies and how they're using it and how it's benefiting them. So I'm kind of curious, uh, or if you could just tell the listeners a little bit more about Optimize uh, and how they can find more information on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Optimize. I think the last, it's a biannual, really user-focused, customer-focused event. It's less us speaking to them and more them speaking to each other, which I think makes for the best <laughs> the best uh, type of interactions. But I sa- I remember, I think you and I sat down, uh, stopped Optimize for a little while and caught up. And it, it is a great, you know, networking event. Great to see everybody and, and keep those connections alive. But uh, yeah, this year we're going to be all virtual. So it'll be a little different. 
Um, but you know, the, that's the, the, the upside to that is more accessibility. I think we'll get a lot more people to get to participate in, in the conference this way. It's May 18th to 20th. Um, you can learn more at optimize21.com. Um, you know, it's such a content rich event. I mean, it's like, I'm curating some of the content that's going into it now. And, uh, it's just an embarrassment of riches in terms of the content. I love that. It's, it's a lot of, you know, peer to peer type presentations, you know, both at the executive level, a lot of great panels, um, down to the, you know, people that are really deep in the, in employing the technology to solve some of these challenges and how they're finding best practices. And, you know, we have some thought leadership type stuff from the plenaries from our executive team. I don't know. It's just a, it's always a good time um, and really looking forward to it. I encourage anybody that's interested to check out optimize21.com. Excellent. Well, hey, listen, Paul, really can't thank you enough uh, for giving us a couple minutes to talk about these crucial topics uh, because it's very interesting to see, of course, how these EPC firms uh, are using these digital technologies. We, we hear, of course, a lot about operators and stuff using it and things like that. But it's great to really focus on the EP side of the business because it's such a crucial side, uh, as you mentioned, of course, because these, these are the people designing and building the plants. You know? So, again, really want to thank you for your time today. Yeah, always a good conversation when we get together, Lee. So ha ha happy to spend some time with you. I enjoyed it. Absolutely, yeah. I could probably talk to you a few more hours on this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> But with that, really want to thank you again. And of course, we really want to thank all of you for listening to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.